greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, How to Study the Bible. And This is lesson number 20 and video number 21, and this is the final lesson in this series. This, is, this lesson is simply going to be a summary of uh, the main points that have been made in this lesson and the summary of the importance of us studying the Word of God. Uh, before we begin the summary of these lessons, I'd like for you to consider this following principle. I have used this verse at times, uh, but I'd like to actually read it from the Scripture. God has a pace, his own pace, for each of us individual, individually with which he gives us revelation. There's a pace. There's a timing to revelation. And he shows us individual things, things individually for our own edification as we draw closer to him personally. But then he gives revelation to the body in his timing to control timing. He hides things he's not ready to happen. And then he unveils or uncovers or reveals things when he's ready for us to have the faith, to begin to have the faith for them to happen. And so uh, here's, here's the scripture for that. Isaiah 28 verses 9 through 10 and then, of course, verse 13. Uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to read 11 and 12. I'm encouraging you to do that in the context. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. So when we first come to God, just like a baby who is fed food uh, themselves, we simply take in what we're told. We, we hear that. We believe that. That's what we're supposed to do. The man of God preaches the gospel and how to apply the gospel to your life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to the gospel, and that we are to follow his steps, which is repentance, which is death to self, and water baptism, which is the burial of the old man in Jesus' name. And then we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is our resurrection with him. And we hear those things, and we the Spirit of the Lord bears witness to our spirit, and we obey them. Even if we don't understand all of it, we obey them. And then in the beginning, after we're born again, we become a child of God. We are taught the, mere, the sincere milk of the word. And we receive that. And for the most part, we receive it without question. But there comes a time for every child of God who is going to please God, where it's no longer to eat milk as your primary diet. It is time for you to be weaned from the milk and it began to learn to feed yourself from the word. It's time. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. 
Now, there's a negative context to those five things, and there's a positive context to those five things that we might go and that we might fall, and in falling we might be broken, and in broken we might be snared by him and taken by him as his servants and sons and children. Or we can reject the line upon precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, and then we will go away from him and we will fall backwards and we will be broken as the consequences of our rejection of his word and we will be snared by this world and sin and we'll be taken and made prisoners. I can't tell you how important it is that you not miss this point. We must be patient and persistent in our pursuit of the truth. God's not going to dump all this on us at once. This is a lifetime journey, and it should be a daily lifetime journey. As you grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. This is what should be the case. I should hunger, even as I've, I've said it before, even as I hunger for food several times a day, I should hunger for word because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So it is very important that you not become impatient with yourself and you not become impatient with God. He's not going to explain everything to you overnight. He's not going to show you all truth overnight. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. That's the word of God. That's the principle of the word of God. So there should be something in us that is wanting more and more truth. And we should spend our time in prayer, fellowshipping with him and learning to know him and learning to hear his voice so that we can then study the word with him and he can guide us and teach us as we're studying the word so that we can have truth and so that truth can save us. Again, we must be patient and persistent in our pursuit of truth. He is never going to give us all of it at one time. This is a journey. It is a process. It is not an event. It's a process. My wife and I had two sons that lived, and it was a process for them to be conceived and then birthed, and then them for them to grow, and they went from infancy to to uh, toddlership, to adolescence, to teenage years, and uh, they got married, and then they had children, and it's a process. It's not an event. And every day of their life, they needed to know something different. And you and I, every day in our life, there's more that we need to know. And there are things he's teaching us. I've made this statement. I'm going to make this statement to you, my friend, because the, this is our place of being taught. This is where we grow. Everything is a test. I believe this can be proven scripturally, but even as our mother's womb is where we were formed naturally, 
What we call life now is only the second womb in which our character is developed, where we, where our knowledge grows, our understanding grows, our wisdom grows, and it's a lifelong process. If this is not the case, then why is it that when you finally reach the place that you, you know some things and you have some wisdom and you have knowledge that it's time to leave here? It's time to die. We spend a lifetime learning and growing and gaining understanding and wisdom. And at the point that you know the most and you understand the most and you have the most wisdom, it's time to die. If this is not the second womb for eternal life, then what is its purpose? And if you will see it like that, you will understand that God has no commitment to our comfort and convenience in this life, that as the one who grew us naturally, physically in our mother's womb, the same one is developing us in this womb. Paul said, I travail in birth again for you. He wrote this to the church to save people, born again people. I travail in birth again for you till Christ be formed in you. What's what Christ? The mind of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, the, the character of Christ. All these things are being formed in his body, in us individually. That's what this is about. So yes, every day is a test. Every day is a part of the process. We can try to take days off. There are no days off. We can try to take time off during the day. There are, There is no time off. We may take the time off, but God does not. Everything. Everything is a part of the test. Everything is intended to help us grow in grace and in our knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything is intended to edify us. Everything is intended to bring us to Perfection from his perspective uh, that we might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The church is supposed to rule and reign with him in the millennial kingdom. When do we, when do we learn that? When do we learn how to do that? The church is going to be the bride of Christ, of the king of kings for all of eternity. When do we, when do we learn how to do that? Where do we gain the understanding, the knowledge, the skills, the wisdom to be able to do that. Where do we learn how to be toward him what we're supposed to be and what we're not supposed to be? And where is the situation where those who, uh, he gives everybody equal chance to be saved. It's not the will of God for any to perish, the scripture says clearly. So everybody has the same chance from the beginning of their existence to be a part of this. But just like there are some babies that are conceived in the womb that the body rejects, that God rejects, and that that baby is aborted, called miscarried. And God is the only one that has the right to do that. So there are people that he begets spiritually that prove that they don't, they don't want to do this. They don't want to be a part of this. Every woman produces multiple eggs that never get used. 
Every male produces multiple billions of sperm that never fertilizes a woman's egg. All these people that are created. Oh, some of you are going to have a hard problem with this. All these people are created. Have an equal example, opportunity to become a child of God like every sperm and every egg does. But something has to happen. And all these humans are eggs from the human, for the, from the female. And the word of God is the sperm. And it's, it's supposed to find a place to impregnate that egg so that a child of God can be conceived. But what happens if that child of God doesn't begin to develop in a way that is acceptable to God? Well, he aborts that child. There's a miscarriage. The body aborts it. Not by man, not by a medical procedure, but by a spiritual procedure that God rejects that child. It's called miscarried. You were being carried, but you couldn't come to full term. All this process has been going on and is going on. And what we call death is actually the birth from this womb to the next. Not everybody's going to end up in the same place. Not everybody's going to end up there. And what is the number one determining factor? John said, Jesus said, recorded the gospel of John chapter 12, beginning with verse 37. I'm going to read some context here because it's so important. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake. Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the, hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw the glory and spake of him. Verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praises of men more than the praise of God. There are no secret believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There no, there's no secret believers. And in response to this, Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that believeth on me seeth him that sent me. Excuse me. And he, let me restart over again, verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. But And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. See you there? See you there? God's not going to send anybody to go to hell? Nah. Let's keep reading. Context. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gaveth me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. 
And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Who whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Now, here it is. If I don't believe the word of God, I have no life in me. I have no salvation in me. Because the determining factor between the saved and the lost is those that believe the truth of the word of God and those that reject the truth of the word of God. Those that believe the truth of the word of God, they'll be saved. Those that reject the truth of the word of God, they're going to be lost. The word. Now, if the word of God, if our salvation is that dependent upon the word of God, then why would you not devotedly study the word of God for yourself? Why wouldn't you do that? Surely you will. If you've made it through all the way to this 21st video, this 20th lesson, if you've made it this far, surely you already had some hunger for the word of God. And in Jesus' name, I believe that God, through the word of God, the spirit of God has just been ministered during this video series that you have a greater hunger for the word of God than you've ever had before. I need to know the word of God. I cannot know God without knowing his word. I do not know truth without knowing the truth of the word, not the truth of what some church says. It's not anybody, any church's doctrine that can save me. It's not any preacher's doctrine that can save me. I am saved or lost based on what the word of God says and whether or not I believe what the word of God actually says and not what I think it says. There's a lot of people that, that, think they believe what the Word of God says, but they only believe what they think it says. They don't know what it says. Therefore, they don't believe what it actually says. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. I don't know that I disagree with the idea of the verse, but where's that in the Bible? It's not anywhere like that in there. God helps those that help themselves. Where's that in the Bible? In fact, the Bible is exactly the opposite of that. God helps those that completely rely upon him. Uh, there are many things that are like that. We think they're in the Bible. We practice them because we think they're in the Bible and they're not in the Bible. Our salvation is dependent upon knowing what the Bible says and believing and obeying what it says so that we can know God so he can know us, so we can know truth, and so that we can be saved by the word. The scripture says we're begotten by the word. The word beget speaks of what the man does. A woman conceives, a man begets. So we are begotten by God our Father through the word. The word is that sperm, his spiritual sperm that impregnates the egg of our hearts. Our hearts are the egg, the natural egg, the human egg that the word of God comes into and fertilizes and causes faith. And that's the beginning of a process that, that, that those two cells become one cell in the fertilized egg. And then all that growth comes from that spot. So that is the spark of life. That's where it starts right there when egg and sperm come together. And that person becomes uniquely an individual unlike any other. And that believer 
when, when the word of God comes into our heart and it's believed, trusted in, believed, at that point, that person becomes a unique Christian unlike any other. God has a plan and a place for you. That's why the Greek word primarily used for sin is to miss the mark. That's what it literally means. And the, the root word there is portion or share. Every human being, every one of those spiritual eggs that God creates, those human beings, has a place in God, planned by God for that person. But they have to be fertilized by the word of God. And they have to become a child of God, begotten and then born, and then growing into a mature child of God. This whole process from conception or begetting all the way through our graduation from this life called death, but it's actually birth into eternal life. That's why Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall never die. Why? Because death is only a transition from natural life to eternal life, from temporal to eternal. I don't believe we even lose consciousness. We leave this body, this temporal house, until the resurrection. This is all part of this process. And that's why it's so important for you to have a hunger for the word of God. Let's... uh. Let's read some more scripture about all this. This is so great. These God's blessings are upon those who love his word of truth. Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning with verse 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these words, these my words. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And when thou, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. And then he said in Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 through 20, And it shall be when thou sittest upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests of the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and he not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou then thou shalt have good success. <laughs> uh, it just goes on and on. I'm going to read some more. It just goes on and on. This is from the hundred and out of the hundred and sixty-seven verses from Psalms one nineteen, the longest chapter in the Bible. 
uh, and every verse talks about the Word of God. And here's just a few. Psalms 119, beginning with verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Though thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for they are, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Uh, what, what statements right there? That's exactly the point of this whole series of lessons. If you don't study the Bible for yourself, you stay at the love level of the knowledge of God and the things of God that your teacher's at. As somebody say to me years ago, what are you going to do if your sons excel you in the, uh, in the ministry? I, and I said, I'm going to feel like a success because they started at a completely different place than I did. I had to learn all of this on my own. I had to learn all of this. And being raised in the Navy and not ever having a pastor, I didn't even have a pastor to, to put this stuff in me. Lord had to put this stuff in me on my own just to have a foundation. But I'm saying to you, with all of this that I have taught in these lessons, don't stop here. All the truth is not known. He promised to guide us in all truth. Nobody has all truth. Anybody that tells you they have all truth, run from that person. They're a liar and a deceiver. I don't have all truth. There's no preacher or pastor that has all truth. There's no church or denomination that has all the truth. We're supposed to be continually growing in our in grace and our knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And since the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh and then anointed by the Spirit of God and dwelled by the Spirit of God, I can't grow in my knowledge of Him if I'm not growing in the Word of God. We had time to do other stuff, to watch stuff, to read stuff, all that other stuff. So it's not going to go well with us when we tell God we didn't have time for his word. That's not going to go well with us. It's not going to go well for us. It's not going to go well with us. When we try to stand before God and tell him we didn't have time to study, we were too busy. Too busy doing what? Too busy doing what? I got time to sleep six to eight hours a day. I got time to sit down and eat meals. I got time to work to make money to buy stuff. I got time to entertain myself because I'm tired and deserve it. But I don't have time for him. I got time for anything I want to have time for. It's all based on my priorities and what's important to me. And you, my friend, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to let the Holy Ghost give you a hunger and a determination to patiently and persistently pursue knowing God, knowing his word, and growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Psalms, last but not least, no, it's not the last but not least, (laughs) almost. Psalms 1, verse 1. Psalms 1 and 1 through verse 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, 
that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you want those blessings? I want those blessings. And then a verse I've quoted many times, Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is it possible that the things I've struggled with and that you struggle with are a result of what I haven't put in my heart yet? I cannot know the I am God or his in, and or his visible representation, the Lord Jesus Christ, for all time and creation without first knowing and understanding his word in this life. I will never get to that place that I will ever be able to see him sitting on that throne as my Lord and Savior and me a part of his bride and a part of his kingdom if I don't know him and his word in this life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know God one bit more than I know his word. I don't love God one bit more than I love his word. I don't understand God one bit more than I understand his word. I don't have one bit more wisdom than I have wisdom in and from his word. Our God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't favor one over another. He responds to us differently because we respond to him differently. But he will respond to us like we respond to him. Our attitude, motives, the degree we've surrendered our will, our love for him, our commitment to him, it varies between every one of us. But that gives him the parameters in which he's able to deal with me. He will not deal with me. He will not teach me. He will not lead me. He will not guide me outside of the parameters that I have set between me and him. He has offered all of this, but I determine how much of this I want. I determine that. I've quoted these verses to you already, read them also in another lesson. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, I hath not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. God is no respecter of persons. He will open the understanding of all of those who approach him in sincerity and truth and who are willing to make his word the final authority in their lives. And that's guaranteed. Jesus said in John 7, verses 14 through 18, Now about, uh, uh, now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Because he had never said it at their feet. They assumed he was ignorant because he had never been taught by them. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. 
The Bible in basic English translation says of verse 17 like this. If any man is ready to do God's pleasure, he will have knowledge of the teaching and of where it comes from, from God or from myself. That is a guarantee from God. If I will do his will, if I will to do his will, if I am ready and willing to do the will of God, and I want to know the will of God, Jesus has guaranteed me and guaranteed you that he will teach us truth. If I don't have truth, it's not God's fault. If, it, if I do have truth, I can't take the credit for it. Jesus said to Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I've got to spend time with the Father, invest time with the Father in prayer and in fellowship and in ministry. And I've also got to invest time with the Father as I study his word with him as the instructor. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that these lessons have had a profound impact upon you and your attitude toward the word and your commitment to the word and your desire to know the word because you desire to know Jesus. and You desire to know and participate in the way, the truth, and the life because you desire to come to the Father and there's no other way to get to the Father. I pray that these lessons and this word as the Lord has spoken to us He has spoken to me while he has spoken through me to you. And I pray that we will receive these things and that we will not let the adversary come and take these away. In fact, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak a a, a hedge of angelic protection around every heart that has watched these videos and heard this word that the adversary would not, in Jesus' name, the adversary would not be able to come and steal this word out of your heart before it's able to, to, to be germinated and begin to grow, to produce growth in you and fruit and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this is the case. I love Jesus. By the grace of God and through the Spirit of God, I love you. And I pray that you've received this as the Lord has spoken it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.